Aaron Coleman defeated an entrenched incumbent for a seat in the Kansas House. He did it, extraordinarily, at age 20 while championing a Green New Deal Democratic reform agenda in Kansas. But that accomplishment is overshadowed by controversy. Here to talk about it is Kansas City, Kansas Representative-elect Coleman. Welcome to Kansas Reflector. Hi, thank you for having me on tonight. It's a, it's a pleasure and a joy. Yeah, thanks for being here. Mr. Coleman, there's allegations over the years that included bullying, harassment, stalking, threatening women. Uh, when you were a preteen, uh, up until more recently, some of your new legislative colleagues prefer you not be seated in the House. So what is your view of the attempt to disrupt the will of the voters? Well, you really have to understand, first going back to the primary, I spent the entire primary election, starting in June, I released my first apologies uh, on June 17th. Um, basically, I spent the entire campaign trail apologizing from, for one issue to the other, um, and I, you know, I was outspent by, like, I think it was 4000 to $50,000, and you know, I didn't expect to win, honestly. You know, the last two weeks, I stopped campaigning. Um, on election night, I was in Colorado. You know, I wrote my I, wrote, I didn't write a, I didn't write a victory speech or a acceptance speech. I wrote a concession speech. Hmm. I was in Colorado. I did not expect to win. Somehow, <laughs> people try to and people try to discount my victory over a seven-term incumbent because it was only fourteen votes. But look, I spent the entire campaign, the the primary campaign, apologizing from one issue to the next, whether it was from what I did in middle school. Or what if I was apologizing for that masculine casket comment I made, you know? So the the voters knew, and they and they just looked at my policy. They looked at, you know, my opponent's long record of working for corporations who are primarily his donors, and you know, I won by fourteen votes. And mm-hmm. and and all I can say other than that is, as a twenty as a as a sixteen year incumbent, you have to try very hard to only get. A little bit over 800 votes to a 19 year old when you're outspending them one to 11. You know there was there was a lapse of judgment on his part. He was he was advocating for issues, pin issues on mailers that voters didn't didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of did his his own spending. So now, and if you really look at it, Stan Fraunfelter is still the treasurer of the Kansas House PAC. Stan Fraunfelter is retired. He is out of office. He has no reason to be in office in in, the, in the, as a treasurer of the House PAC anymore, and he's trying to leverage his way back in the office, trying to find any reason to try to expel me so he can return the power after losing three elections in the last in the last two years. Now we should mention uh, Representative Fraunfelter will be in uh, the representative for your district until Monday. That's when the legislative session starts. You'll be sworn in at that time. Uh, so maybe they'll have to change that PAC designation. Part of this is you've been forsaken by the Kansas Democratic Party early on uh, when they decided, uh, when they became fearful uh, about you claiming the seat from Foundfelter. That has to hurt a bit. You know, the Democratic Party will try desperately to do anything it can to, to silence what it, seem, what, it, what it calls its socialist insurgents. And they, they want unity in the party. And what they mean by that is they want only voices which advocate their neoliberal corporate agenda. So it, it's, you know, it came, you know, they say, oh, we didn't hear about the allegations um, about what he did in middle school until after the primary. They didn't, might, they might not have heard it because they weren't listening, but my voters did. But if you really look at, really look at it, 
they condemned me before the primate. I was condemned by my own party before the primate just because I was saying mascot or casket, which I, if you live in Wyoming County. That was County, in regards to COVID. Yeah, that uh, was a regard to COVID. Your advocacy for wearing a mask when there's many right. politicians and others who refuse to wear a mask. Right, but. many politicians in, in my local community of Kansas City, Kansas, you go to Walmart, you go to Sam's Club, you go anywhere. Everyone is wearing a face mask. So mm-hmm. my voters appreciate me saying mask or casket. And they can they found that. And this is basically just coming from people. This is state representatives from Johnson County trying to override the vote of the people in my district because Stan Fraunfelter was a Johnson, Johnson County uh country club golfer he would go to johnson county sit martinis with them play golf and vote how they wanted on their on their corporate agenda i think it's safe to say that Fraunfelter underestimated you you know i think that's 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 absolutely absolutely correct you know by large accounts he hasn't knocked doors in the district in 15 years and he didn't even create his very first facebook page until 15 years and two days after his primary challenge are filed against him. Mm-hmm. The Kansas House Speaker, uh, Speaker Ron Reichman, says it would be fine if, if you resigned. Your thoughts about a possible resignation? You know, you know, Speaker Reichman is entitled to his opinion, but at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters on who should be in office and who should not be in, the, be in office is the voters. And I would just remind everybody that I defeated Fraunfelter in one, but not two, elections where I was both times I was outspent by double digits. So what you're speaking of is you defeated him by uh, approximately a dozen votes in the primary, in Mm -hmm. the Democratic primary. And then when it came around to the general election, they mounted a write-in campaign, which was not very successful. Write-ins are notoriously Brian, I got, and I think think in the... When he challenged me with the write-in, I got twenty five hundred votes more than him. Yeah, it went but, badly. Right, for him, he could write in. And then what happened? What happened there? Because I think the Democrats are going to make the same mistake in twenty twenty two. In the twenty twenty general election, they gave Fraunfeld the fifty thousand dollars for this writing campaign, burnt the money. They lost seats in the House. What I'm worried in, is in twenty twenty two, they're going to pit fifty thousand dollars towards my primary challenger, lose that primary to me. And then they're going to lose that $50,000 that cannot go to other House candidates, cannot go to Laura Kelly's reelection. So it's it's sad that the Democratic Party has decided to focus all its energy on attacking its um, socialist insurgents, as they call it, when they could be focusing on the COVID pandemic or just focusing on any issue that's going to help their reelection and, and, and not this. There's a lot of issues to be addressed in yes. the upcoming session, taxes, COVID, you name it. So kind of the situation is reminiscent of Republican Representative Michael Caffs, who was allowed by the Republican-led House to take his seat in the legislature, 2018. He had been found by a state agency to have emotionally abused boys in foster care. And I think due to some kind of bizarre technicality, he got off. Do you see this as inconsistent? If the Republican and Democratic leadership challenge your seat, uh, you taking your seat in the legislature, but let this other guy in because he's a Republican. You know, you, you, I mean, that's exactly that's exactly right. You know, Mike Caps did things as an adult which are far worse than anything that I ever even did when I was twelve years old. And it's it's not just Republicans who get into office, get these committee assignments, and they get to remain in office. If you look back at you know in twenty seventeen from some some articles coming out from the KC Star. You know, look up the frat house, Kansas legislature, 2017. You know, there's a lot of articles talking about this. And basically there was about seven or nine um, 
Democratic men who are all credibly accused of either sexual assault or, or sexually harassing their interns. Mm. And I would just add, Fraunfelter lived, he lived at the frat house. And so did many editors who are still roaming around in Kansas politics today. Mm. <clears throat> what do you know about it? There's a, I, I read there was a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to counter sue the Democratic Party. Are you involved in that? Or do you know what's going on? Yeah, you know, it was a, you know, a conversation with a friend basically saying, you know, I need money for a lawyer. And he said, oh, that's no no problem. Um, creating me a GoFundMe. So we're hoping, you know, to raise some money. And if anybody, if the listeners at home would like to send any money to that, that would be greatly appreciated. And it's, it's not about if you agree with my politics or you agree with everything I advocate for. It's at the end of the day, do you believe in democracy as, a, as enshrined in the Constitution? And if you ultimately believe that voters should decide who's in office and not party insiders, I'm just asking you um, send a couple bucks or however much you can afford to that GoFundMe. So um, in 2018, you ran an independent write-in candidacy for governor. I think you received votes in that election. Yeah, I received, yeah. when I ran for governor um, at 17 years old back in 2018 against Laura Kelly, I received votes across two Kansas counties. You know, I basically ran on a, ran on a platform, which is basically, I'm, which, I, which I, one thing I'm proud to say is my platform has not changed much, if any, from when I ran for governor you know, I still support, like I did in 2018, I still support Medicaid for all, you know, a single-payer system implemented <clears throat> on the on the state level where we, where we would see people receive treatment based on need of care and not ability to pay. Um, and it was, this would actually save the state millions of dollars a year because right now our insurance companies are taking so much money, they're shipping the money overseas, and... Now, a lot of the money that you spend towards your health care does not actually go to your treatment. It goes to, to some stockholder for these companies. So that's one thing I ran on in 2018. Another thing I ran on is legalizing cannabis. And this is something, um, the way I said I was going to implement it in 2018 when I ran for governor. These are it, issues that you still right, support today, right? I still right? support, yes. Yeah, okay, and, go ahead. And, legal and, cannabis. And, and, you know... When I, if I was governor now, I, I promised a day one pardon. This is something Laura Kelly, if she wanted to, she could clear everybody's record. She could empty the prisons of drug offenders through just a mass pardon. You know, she has the ability to do it. You know, the governor of Oklahoma has done it. Um, she hasn't pardoned all the drug offenders because she receives donations, unfortunately, from the prison industrial complex. But there's a lot of benefits to legalizing cannabis other than just emptying the prisons. This is also something which can be used as a medicine. Um, you know, our veterans have a hard time accessing it. It's almost impossible to, to, for veterans to receive, you know, access cannabis when it's illegal. Um, and this is also going to create millions of dollars in new tax revenue. And if you really look at it, you know, for, to pit somebody in prison for one year, it's like, it's like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, at least. At least, you know, some I'm seeing some estimates are higher, but let's assume it's the low estimate of fifty thousand dollars. Okay, a two year degree at Kansas City Community College at most is ten thousand hmm. dollars. So for the price to put somebody behind bars for one year, we can give five students at KCK a two year degree. So you know, tuition free college would. Tuition, excuse me, tuition-free community college and trade schools would pay for themselves 
simply by legalizing cannabis because you get that tax revenue and you also save on pr- prisons. And it, you would you would like the tuition at community colleges to be free, correct? Yes, the, yes, yeah. it has to be. It has to be free because we have such a, especially the trade schools. We have such a shortage of skilled chefs. You know, KCK Community College has a great culinary program. We have a great welding program. We have a great nursing program. These are all jobs which which are so short and this actually helps businesses legalizing cannabis tuition free college helps businesses because then those businesses do not have to go out of state to hire skilled labor Mm -hmm. Are, are you a college student at the moment you know i'm off and on on my college status you know i will be taking the spring semester off when i'm when i'm in when we're in session Mm -hmm. um i plan to resume my studies possibly over the summer but definitely for sure i'll be going to school this fall Okay. Another issue, I, I think you're, one of your positions is that uh, you're for legal abortion, uh, correct? You know, you know, really, uh, abortion is a federal issue. I mean, you know, we have, we have elected these judges, and, you know, I trust them to do their job. I mean, really, what do you want me to do on the state level? What can I do on the state level? It's really at the end of the day, this anything we decide on on abortion one way or the other on the state level is going to end up in federal court anyway. Um, so really, that's where the focus has to be. And you know, we have Joe Biden. He, you know, we have about three or four justices which might be retiring pretty soon. So you know, I honestly think it has to be a federal issue. Let's get some judges who we, who we've elected and let let the judges do their job. If I could just turn back a bit to the allegations against you, you spoke of, of, of incidents in middle school of bullying. There were threats. What is the sense of that to you? Do you think it's relevant to you to your political life as an adult, uh, or is it are they transgressions of youth that don't? Well, I mean, look at it. I'm 20 years old. When I was when I was twelve years old, that is that's like forty percent of my life away. You know, it's like the difference between if you were forty and twenty, the gap between me being twenty and 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 fourteen or twelve. You know, it's you know people change. People, especially between middle school and when you become you know an adult and you stop being a teenager, those you you want to see rapid rapid growth. So I don't I don't see my middle school behavior as anything reflective of my conduct as an adult. Um, and that's really all I can, really all I can say. Yeah, in know. terms of your adult status, there, there was an allegation uh, that came up, I believe, last year about stalking of a woman. And, and uh, what is the status of that? Well, that, yeah, yeah, you know, that case was, you know, dismissed, actually. Um, I was glad it was dismissed because it really... It was it, that was the best outcome. So um, that's all I can really say. But I just I just think it's so insane. You know, we talk about we talk about you know innocent until proven guilty. At this point, if if the Kansas legislature is going to expel me for something that's been dismissed, that's basically saying you are guilty even once proven innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my the my constituents aren't, aren't getting any justice in this. There's no due process because I've looked at the House rules. Uh, technically, if they don't want to give me an office, but they want me, they can keep me in. That's called censorship. I have not been censored. It takes two thirds of the body to censor somebody. You know, Tom Sawyer is taking unilateral action and censoring me without any due process. So I'm not, let's I'm, back up and explain this. The House Minority Leader is Tom Sawyer, 
and he's decided to uh, ask the speaker not to put you on any committees or an office. Which that's which, another thing. Or an it's, office. It's, it's, it's the the lack <laughs> of committees is a sanction that has existed in the past and is used as a punishment tool for uh, legislators, Republican and Democrat. Uh, be clear. You have not been assigned an official office in the Capitol building, correct? Yeah, I don't even have an office. And, and you know, I talked to a state senator who's been in, been in office longer than I've been alive. They have never, ever, you know, they possibly they've heard of one or two incidents where somebody hasn't been given committees, okay? Right. That, that happens. It's usually temporary. You do what leadership wants. You get your committees, okay? Right. But in this case, I don't even have an office. Yeah, I've, so my cons- I've been in the state house for 15 sessions in a row. <laughs> And visited off and on before that, and I've never heard of this office assignment thing. And uh, which basically, because basically for them not to give me an office, they'd have to censor me. But I have not been censored. You're going to have difficulty, more difficulty communicating with your constituents. Uh, right. You won't have an office phone for people to call, and and with COVID and so forth, there the capacity of people to come visit you is compromised, and so communication through a computer or a telephone. Uh, would seem to be more important. I think you're you're aware that there was a group of seven House, I think they're all Democrats, women, who suggested that you should resign as well. I think a bunch of them were for, from Johnson County. Uh, yeah. So large, what, large, you, what, is you, what is your take on that appeal? You know, yes, of course, a large part of them are from Johnson County. And, you know, these Johnson County ants are trying to make it all about them. But it's not about them from Johnson County. There are people who do not live in Johnson County. This needs to be solely and only about my constituents in House District 37 who now, due to their unilateral action taken against me without any form of censorship, the, the, there's, pe- there's 20,000 people in Kansas who now don't have an office in the people's house. Mm-hmm. They have no voice in the people's house. They have no voice in the committee process. They have no representation effectively Due to unilateral action, because like I said, I have not been I have not been censored by two thirds of the body, so I right. should. So the chamber itself could have an there could be requests an investigation of you for whatever your conduct is alleged to be, and then it would take I believe a two thirds vote of the full house. Right, and they could choose to either censor, which is basically saying you're not going to have an office, but you can still be a voting member. Slap you on the hand, sla- or they or sla- can give you the boot. Right, and none of that's even happened. I'm, and I have, I've mm-hmm. been my my constituents' rights have been violated without any preemptively, due, preemptively without, without any due process. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, it's insane to try to even attempt to impeach somebody. Before it was insane to to impeach somebody for something which is simply alleged, which is mm-hmm. ongoing in court. Now it's dismissed. Now it's 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 when something is legally when something is dismissed, you have to treat it as it never even happened and never even existed. Yeah, that so, could alter the kind of the dynamics of this. You would you know, when I think people come into the legislature, there's some anxiety. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. If you've not been around the culture of the legislature, just the terminology and where are the rooms and the bathrooms and what am I supposed to do? Should I stand or sit and all of that? There's just a somewhat of a mystery. So I would just think the, the stress that you're under, given you're new, you're young, you're coming into this environment where even what you would presume to be a bunch of your political allies uh, are rallying against you, it's going to be awkward to put one word on it, right? You know, absolutely. You know, my constituents are very, are very uh, 
lucky that I'm so stubborn because it because <laughs> it means that I'm just gonna fight super hard for them no matter what they throw at me you know if i don't have an office i guess you know um one of my colleagues was very kind to point out i could use i could use a bathroom stall as my, my as my office but <laughs> no i won't be doing that there's, but there's benches around the yeah. building i mean yeah we there's a there's a cafeteria downstairs it's actually a desk so yeah but i won't have like i said i won't have a phone for anybody to call me you know how can they call me and say hey i need you to vote on Vote on, vote on this bill. It's very print. You vote this way. You know, it can't happen. It, it, or how, it, It's just... But on the other hand, you've uh, pre-filed a couple of bills. I think you have a couple yes. of pieces of the legislation that you want in the hopper. One of them is about the minimum wage. Yes. Do you want to tell us about that? I'm actually very proud that I was able to um, spot, pre-file. I was able to pre-file the very first minimum wage bill of the Kansas legislative session. Uh, my bill would raise the minimum wage a dollar a year until it reaches seventeen twenty-five in twenty thirty-two. Because currently, the current federal minimum wage of seven twenty-five is a starvation wage, and I believe anybody who works forty hours a week should not live in poverty. And for somebody who lives in Kansas City, which I represent. If you are, and you can look this up, it's like a federal calculator. What is the what is the livable wage? Look it up. Type in your zip code. For me, where I live, if you are a single occupant, you know it's like seventeen dollars an hour, and that's in twenty twenty. So if you can't pay, if you are a small business, because I always get this question, what about the small businesses? If you are a small business and you cannot afford to pay your workers a living wage by twenty thirty two, like we're giving you over ten years to you know adjust your business model you have 10 years you don't have to pay your okay for the next five years you don't have to pay a living wage 10 years from now you do have to pay a living wage if you if 10 years isn't a long enough time for you to change your business model to stay profitable and stay in business maybe you shouldn't even be in business maybe you should shut down honestly because if you look at some of these small businesses a lot of the times they all they only the only employees they hire is their friends and family. And if you can't pay your friends and family a living wage, what are you doing? Why are you paying your friends and family a starvation wage? It just it just it makes no sense. And and it hurts the economy, it really does. Because we see this in study after study. Poor people, and I know this from, you know, being poor my entire life, poor people when they get money, they spend it. It's gone. You know, a lot right. of people. It would, you would think it instead of going into save, uh, right, much of it going into savings. You, you would think it would be recirculated back into the economy more. Right, promptly. it'd be, it'd be, and it'd stimulate growth. Raising mm-hmm. the minimum wage stimulates economic growth, and they always say, "Oh, it's gonna." What about every? All, then the prices, of everything is gonna go up. Okay, you know the the minimum wage in Denmark is twenty two dollars. Mm-hmm. All the workers in Denmark they get socialized medicine, they get tuition free college, all this stuff. $22 minimum wage. Guess what? In Denmark, a Big Mac is like a dollar more. And the employees are making almost three times as much. So it, 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 the, this, and, the, and, and even the United States have done some studies. When you increase the minimum wage by like 70%, it, increase, it increases prices by 0.2%. And you say, okay, so where's all that money going? Why is it only going up 0.2% if they're increasing the wage? By 70%. Well, a lot of times what companies would do is they're cut hours or, you know, that's mostly how they do it. But they've even, they've even looked at it. Even when, they, even when the people have their hours cut, 
when you raise the minimum wage, even though they're working slightly less hours, because it's usually like a cut of two or four hours per employee, the employees are still overall making more money. And then, and then the other hand, some employees will eliminate jobs, mm-hmm. which this is why I'm also proposing a universal basic income and we need to have a payroll tax because basically what happens, and we see this at Walmart, all the cashiers, like they say, oh no, raising the minimum wage is going to speed up the automation of jobs. No, almost all the, jo- all, the, all the jobs have already almost been automized. You know, look at Walmart, all the self-checkouts. You know, there's like maybe one cashier and then you have 25 self-checkout lanes. Mm-hmm. You know, what I want, because all these companies are currently paying a payroll tax. Like if you have an employee, you have to, the company's paying a tax. So basically I want, if you eliminate jobs, you have to pay the same payroll tax you were paying before when you still had employees employed. And I want that to go towards a universal basic income. And, you know, in addition to that, I'm currently working on legislation which would penalize carbon pollution and use that money to, to fund our, to fund the universal basic income. You know, about a $300 fine per ton of, per ton of carbon would be enough to give, and I've asked the research department on this, would be enough to give every Kansan $500 a month, no questions asked. And that's really, you, you talk about a stimulus, that's going to really, can't, you know, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to farmers out in, out in, out in Western Kansas, they would love to get $500 a month. The utility companies are probably going to oppose that bill, I would imagine. You know, I'm, I'm sure they will, but they, <laughs> they love, burn, they need to stop burning coal. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's fine. They want, they want to burn coal. That's good for them. We are saying no more coal. Well, I mean, I guess they could, if they really wanted to, they could burn coal, but it just wouldn't be profitable mm-hmm. to burn coal because you're, you're paying $300 per ton. You know, how many tons of CO2 does carbon release? I, I bet you it's quite a lot. So coal, coal would be the first one off the list. You know, you'd probably see a lot of people immediately transition from coal, um, from coal to from coal to natural gas electricity. Um, but really, if you really look at electricity, is only about a third of the CO two emissions in Kansas. A lot of it is residential and transportation. But under my plan, residential and transportation plan is untaxable. Because that's basically people living in their house or driving their car, which you can't you can't really tax that. So most of the carbon emissions won't even be taxable. Um, and based on other states, we would expect to see a two percent decline in carbon emissions a year, which um, just just by just through the free market, not through any kind of mandates at all. You know, it's just a, it's just a carbon tax. So basically, it's the free market. It's uh, supply and demand. Most p- people, capitalists, want to make profit. Mm-hmm. So just just through that, you would see ze- you'd go to zero carbon emissions in the next fifty years or, or sooner. I realize that you're uh, uh, before we leave here. But I realize that your work is going to be in the Kansas Capitol building in Topeka, but I'd be remiss to not ask you about uh, as a political figure about the violence that erupted in the U.S. Capitol building. Uh, following a, a, a speech rally by the president of the United States, what do you kind of make of of that scene? You know, it's it's time it's time for a return of civility. It's time for us to just remember that we are all Americans, and it's time to come together as Democrats, Republicans, concerned citizens, and stop the infighting and just come together and let's rebuild. You know, we're in the greatest economic collapse 
in history. This is going to, this is going to, if we don't turn around soon, this is going to be a great depression, you know, and, and there's so many issues. There's so many issues other than just the economy, those healthcare, taxes, you know, small businesses every day. So it's, it's not helpful for us to get into these fist fights and, and do brawls in the Capitol. It's not only undemocratic, but it's dangerous. There, there's been due to this, Lethal. Lethal. There's been been four people already who have died from the protests in D.C. And these are Trump supporters who are resulting in these people dying. Mm -hmm. You know, and and, and how how much money is this going to cost the taxpayers? You know, they've probably done millions and millions of damage to the Capitol building. How long is it going to take to repair? How long is this going to delay, you know, Congress getting started in 2021? So the the cost really cannot have been measured. This is... They've done so much damage to us, and and not only that, but Americans are scared. You know, a lot of them. You know, this is really the biggest domestic terrorist attack since nine eleven, and and we need a strong leader. You know, Trump's not offering any reassuring voice. He made a one minute video where for ten seconds he said go home, and then for a minute he said election fraud, election fraud, and at the very end he said for another ten seconds go home. You know, it's it's a joke. Um, I can't wait for the nightmare to be finally over and for us to go back to, you know, some sort of normalcy where we're not having these fistfights in the Capitol building. I want to thank Aaron Coleman, representative-elect to the Kansas House, for joining us on the Kansas Reflector. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Tim. It was a pleasure.